Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Well, again, good morning. I want to thank you all for being here today. Um, man, what a great time of worship uh, we we're able to have together. And um, I'm so thankful, so thankful that we do have the freedom. You know, we're celebrating this weekend and this week, our, our independence as a country. And, and um, just, I, I just want to pause and just say thank you to, to the veterans, first responders. Can we just thank them for, for, for serving us? Uh, uh. I'm, I'm sitting over here and we're, we're worshiping and I'm just just uh, full of gratitude today for those who have sacrificed and allowed us to be able to have these freedoms. But uh, thanks again for being here. It's July. Summertime is in full effect, right? It's, uh, it's hot enough to boil water on the sidewalk, right? And, and I love it. Anybody love hot weather? Like you just love the hot? Nobody, right? Y'all rather be freezing? Okay, three of us like the hot. Well, I, I enjoy the hot weather, um, and, and I'm thankful for it. Right? It means milkshakes and ice cream and those kind of things are around the corner. But uh, today, we're finishing up a series um, called Anti-Heroes. And I've really enjoyed this series because we've taken a look at some, some people in the Bible, some characters whose, whose lives are flawed, whose, whose stories aren't uh, uh, perfect, right? And each person that we've looked at is very relatable to us. And, and I hope that this series has reminded you that God uses flawed people, right? So often we think God only uses the perfect people. God only uses the people who have it all together. But God uses flawed people, and that should bring each one of us hope. That should bring all of us hope. And uh, as a matter of fact, we don't come to church because we got it all together, right? We don't, we don't come to church because we've got this life thing figured out. We are a work in progress. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, you know, the people who are healthy aren't the ones that go to the doctor, right? It's the sick people who go to the doctor. They're the ones. And he says, I didn't, call to, uh, I didn't come to call the righteous. I called those who need a savior. And uh, we are definitely, definitely, definitely in that boat where we need a savior. And so we don't have to pretend. We don't have to hide behind a mask. We don't have to worry that everybody around us has it all together, right? Some of us do that through our lives, right? We worry, you know, we're like, man, they've got it all together, but I'm on the struggle bus, right? And some of you are like, I'm not even on the struggle bus. I'm driving the struggle bus, right? And, and, and we don't have to worry about that. Nobody has it all together. Why? Because we are all sinners and we are all strugglers, in need of a savior. Every single one of us, no matter who we are, what our age is, we all need a savior. And that's the greatest thing. That's one of the greatest things I love about God and, and, and just being a Christian is that, that he's all about redemption. He's all about grace. He's all about uh, taking broken things and broken people and molding them into the people that he's called them to be. And, and that should give each and every one of us hope. 
And uh, as a matter of fact, this redemption, this turning broken things, today's anti-hero, as we saw, uh, I don't know if there could have been any better uh, uh, example of, of someone that God turns around and redeems than we see in King David. And so we're going to be looking at King David today. David's one of my all-time favorite characters in the Bible. Uh, but let, let me pause and let me give you a little bit of a commercial here. For the next five Sundays... We're going to be going through the book of James, okay? And so let me encourage you, beginning this week, read the first chapter. Read the first chapter of James. We're going to take one chapter a week over the next five Sundays, all right? So dig into chapter one this week, and then next Sunday uh, we'll talk about that, and you can uh, follow along, and, and, and I'm, I'm praying that this is going to be a really good series. I'm excited for that. But David, David sits near the list of, uh, of one of the most well-known humans in all of the Bible, right? In all of biblical history. Did you know he's the most frequently mentioned human in the Old Testament? King David. He's the second most frequently mentioned human in the entire Bible outside of Jesus himself when he was a man walking on earth. David is a very, very, very popular and familiar person. And so David's life was, was one full of ups and downs. And, and I thought, okay, well, well I want to I talk about David, but what section of his life, right? There's so many different roller coaster rides, there's ups and downs. But let me give you just a quick snapshot, an overview of David's life, okay? Let, look at this with me, just a, a real quick. We were introduced to David when he was a shepherd boy. He was literally out in the pasture. He was with the sheep. Then he becomes this giant slayer, David and Goliath. Most of you have heard that story, right? After he slays the giant, he kind of becomes the king's right-hand man. The king wanted something. He would get David. He would talk to David. David was also a musician, right? He was Jimi Hendrix before Jimi Hendrix was real, all right? Some of your parents are going to have to tell your kids who that is, all right? Uh, David was a warrior. He, he would go and he would fight and he would kill thousands and ten thousands. David was a warrior. Sounds like a pretty good dude, right? Like this is a man's man so far. Israel's greatest king. He was the king of God's people. God anointed him to become the man uh, that would lead his people. Israel's greatest king. And then we come to adulterer. All right, things are getting a little weird, right? We come to murderer, a snapshot of David's life. Wait, we got all this good stuff, adulterer, murderer. Well, let's just keep going. Not only was he the greatest king and adulterer and murderer, David is one of the guys who authored some of the Bible. God used this man to pen words for you and I to read today. And finally, we see God calls David a man after God's own heart. There's a couple of things on here that when you start reading, like the side eye comes out, right? You're like, what? Wait, why is that? I need, I need some explanation. How is that on the list, right? How, how does that, it, it kind of raises our eyebrows. Like we're all good over here on this side, but when we get to the top of the other side, we're like, wait a minute, I need, help me understand how that is, is good. Right, and, and, and I think it does raise some eyebrows, but I think this list should also give you and I a little bit of hope in our life today. Like, like if he can mess up that bad and be called an adulterer and a murderer, um, then there's probably still hope for me. 
If he can still make a difference and, and, and be the most popular human ever mentioned in the Bible outside of Jesus, then that probably gives you and I a little bit of hope. If God can give a guy like him his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and his love, then maybe, just maybe, he can do the same for me. See, David was a normal man. He was a normal man who became a great man, but he was not a perfect man by any means. And so this week, as I begin to prepare and I just begin to, to, to seek the Lord, I'm like, God, give me, give me wisdom. Give me, give me, you know, what is it? What are, what are those truths? I always like to find little truths out of God's word to, to, to share. And, and I really believe that God's given me three life-changing lessons from the life of David. Three life-changing lessons from the life of of David. From the beginning to the end, we're going to look at three life-changing lessons. So if you have your Bible, go to 1 Samuel chapter number 16. 1 Samuel chapter number 16. And, and as you're turning there, I want you to, I want you to just I want you to dig in with me here for just a minute, okay? Because I truly believe this, right? I, I didn't just come up with this life-changing lessons because I needed something to speak about. I truly believe that this has the power to, to alter your life to change your life today. So, Samuel tells us this story of how he was sent by God to go anoint the next king of Israel. Samuel was sent to a man named Jesse. Jesse had many sons. And, and as Samuel came into Jesse's life and he came into his family, he, he told Jesse, one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. And that's where we pick up here in 1 Samuel chapter number 16. So let me invite you to stand and honor the reading of God's word. We'll just read a couple verses here. 1 Samuel 16, beginning in verse number 5. The Bible says, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. This is Samuel. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look up at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible. And underline these last few words, but the Lord sees the heart. But the Lord sees the heart. I, I love the, the, the message translation. It's, it's more of a paraphrase than it is a word-for-word -word translation of the Bible. But look at verse 7 in the message. It says, God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray just for these next few minutes that we would be able to pause whatever's going on in our hearts, whatever's going on in our lives, and that you would speak life-changing uh, good news into our soul. Lord, I pray for every person in this room that we would have an open mind and an open heart to hear from you, whether we've been sitting in church our whole lives or maybe today's the first time in a long time. Speak directly and powerfully to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we see right away, I think the first life-changing message 
that I want you to hear today, that God wants you to hear today is this, your heart matters. Your heart matters. Now, for many of us, this is not an area uh, that we give a lot of attention to, right? We, we, we give a lot of attention to the outward behaviors, especially those parents, right? Those of us who are parents. We give tons of attention to the outward appearance, the outward behaviors, but we don't think about the heart very much. And I want to stand before you today. I am convinced that there is nothing more important than the state of your heart. There is nothing more important than the state of your heart. If you have any hope of living an abundant life, living a joyful life, living a life full of peace and hope, it must come from the condition of your heart. If you want to be all that God intends, if you want to get out of the funk, if you want to walk away from sin, you want to walk away from a lifestyle that you hate being in, it all depends on the condition of your heart. Every single issue that you have with people is a matter of the heart. Every struggle in your marriage, listen to me, every struggle in your parenting, every struggle in your workplace can be traced back to your heart. Everything is about the heart, knowing your heart and understanding your heart. Proverbs is, is a book of wisdom, right? And, and it gives us so much wisdom. And it kind of gives this exaggeration. Most of you have heard this, this scripture before. Proverbs 4.23 says what? Above all else. Think about this exaggeration that he's saying. Above everything else. This is number one on the list. Above all else, do what? Guard your heart. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. More than anything else, the most important thing. Because the truth is, if you don't know what's going on inside of your heart and you don't understand it, it may cost all that you have. So, so here's, here's Samuel, here's Jesse, here's his oldest son, Eliab, and, and God says, that's not the guy I chose. I want you to understand something, Samuel. I want you to understand something, Jesse. Everybody else in the world would look at this guy and say, yeah, man, he's a good-looking dude. He, he's the next king. But I don't look at those things. I don't look at stuff like everybody else does. I look at the heart. Do you know the heart is mentioned over 950 times in the Bible? I think that's evidence that it's a pretty big deal. And, and, and if we look at this verse, it is the wellspring of life. That means everything you do, everything you say, all of your behaviors, all of your attitudes, what are we doing? All the things that we project outwardly, all we're doing every single day is telling everybody what is going on inside of our heart. We're sharing what's going on inside of me because that is what comes out. Your heart matters. God told Samuel that people look on the outward. So I want to ask you a, a, a personal question today. Do you focus more on the outward than you do on your heart? Most of us, if we're honest, that's a tough question to answer. 
Because most of us, the reality is we do. We focus on what people can see. And we have this idea, if everybody sees me in this light, if everybody believes this about me, then everything's okay. And we focus on the outward appearance. Some of you today, you got dressed and you put your church clothes on and you put your church face on and you put your church attitude on. But the reality is inside where your heart is, there's some struggle. The real you. The real you, when, when the curtains are closed and nobody can see you, when it's just you and the Lord, when you, when you lay your head down on your pillow at night in those last few moments before you go to sleep, you know the condition of your heart. And so my question today is, what is it? Do you know the condition of your heart today? Right at the beginning of David's life. We haven't even really been introduced to David yet. And God gives us this lesson. And he tries to make everybody in David's family understand, wait a minute, it's not about the outward. It's about what's going on inside. What's the condition of your heart today, church? Is it happy? Is it hurting? Is it struggling? Healthy? Is it content? Maybe some of you today have walked in here with a hard heart. Maybe some of you walked in here with a tender heart. Identifying and examining the condition of your heart is a big, big, big deal. When's the last time you paused long enough to to examine your heart, to, to beg God to show you what was going on inside of you? You see, the Bible talks about uh, uh, how God longs to draw near to his people. God wants to transform us from the inside out. And one of my, one of my favorite verses, and, and because it just gives so much hope, it gives so much peace, is the Bible says God is near to what? The broken hearted. God is near to the broken hearted. He desires to heal your broken heart. And so, so your heart matters. And you and I, when we can understand that, when we can really begin to, to dig in and, and examine our heart and see the condition of our heart, then, then I want you to see how David cried out. Look what David said in, in Psalm 139. As, as a biblical author, look what David says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. When is the last time you examined your heart? As a matter of fact, here's what I want to do right now all over this room. I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads. A little different today. Just bow your heads right now. And David cried out and he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Would you just right now take a moment and let's just mimic David's prayer. God, search me. What's the condition of my heart? The quietness of this moment, would you just spend a second 
examining your heart. Father, help us to see and understand that our heart matters. It's not something we can just put to the side and forget about it. We don't see it. We don't have to worry about it, God. Everything we do flows from this place. Lord, I pray the words of David today search us and know us. Examine our hearts. If there's any offensive way in us, God, clean us, purify us. Thank you that we can come to you when our heart is hurting, when our heart is struggling. Thank you for being near when we're brokenhearted. Pray that you would use this moment as a catalyst to push us forward for healthy hearts and healthy lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The life lesson that we see at the beginning of David's life is that your heart matters. Your heart matters. God looked at the heart of David and he said, that's my guy. That's the one that I want. He looked at David's heart and he said, he's the one I choose. Second thing that we see, number two, is that accountability matters. Accountability matters. So David, he goes through this life, he's chosen king, he, he, he defeats Goliath, he's a king's right-hand man, he's a musician, he does all these things, and then all of a sudden, he, he is now the king of Israel. He becomes the king. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, you can turn there, but it's going to be here on the screen. I want you to see this because this is, this is crucial to your life and to my life. When we try to do things in, in a way contrary to the way God created it. 2 Samuel chapter 11, David's the king, and the Bible says this. In the spring, when the kings march out to the war, it's time to go fight battles. It's time to go to the war. David sent Joab with his officers and all of Israel. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. So the kings were supposed to go to battle, but David stayed home. Do you know that, that sometimes in your life you can keep yourself out of trouble just by being where you're supposed to be? <laughs> just by being where you're supposed to be, right? Some of you listening on this podcast today, you know you're supposed to be in church. Hmm. If you know you're supposed to be spending time with God every morning before you leave the house, if you know you're supposed to be spending time with your family, your wife, your kids, David wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be with the kings. He was supposed to be with his men. He's supposed to be out at war. And he didn't have the people around him that should have been. And then, and then look what happens. You guys can guess what happens. He sends all the people out, and then, and, and then for the rest of chapter 11, we see kind of this fall of this mighty king, David. 
He sends Joab away, he sends all his men away. And what's he do? He starts just kind of roaming the castle and he's roaming on the roof. And the next thing we know, he's committing adultery. And then he tries to cover it up. Then the next thing we know, he's committing murder. And he tries to hide it. And let me just say this and pause. The truth about sin, any sin, will not remain hidden forever. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard your sin will always find you out. Your sin will always find you out. Let me, let me just speak to, to our young people in the room today. All of you students, hear me when I say this, right? Your parents may be old. They may be out of touch. They may not know what, what all your hip slang words are today. But can I just tell you something? There's some lessons in their life that they've learned the hard way. And I would venture to say most parents, we would all stand up and raise our hand. This is one of them. Your sin will find you out. You may keep it from mom and dad for a while. You may fool everybody else. But your sin will always find you out. David's sin didn't arise from this long history of him making bad decisions, right? We don't see that in David's life. In this particular moment, he put himself in this compromising situation. Why? Because he sends away his most important accountability partner, Joab. So, so, so think with me. The people in your life that are there to help you, that are there to keep you from sin, that are there pushing you in the right direction, encouraging you, David sends them away. And we see how important accountability is. Because poor choices lead to bad circumstances and worse outcomes. Now let's get a little bit real here. David is cheating on his kingdom. King David is cheating on his kingdom. He's cheating on his army. He's cheating on one of his, on one of his men's lives. Uh, he's cheating with his wife. He's cheating on himself. Even more, he's cheating on God. What about you today? What are some areas in your life that you might be cheating God? What are some areas in your life that you might be cheating on others, the people that you love dearly? What are some areas that you're cheating yourself? I want you to hear this today with me as we're, as we're talking about accountability matters and we're, and we're jumping into sin. And we're going we're gonna to jump off of that to point three here in just a second. But, but if you find yourself answering these questions, again, when it's, when it's the real you, not the outward appearance you, but the real you, what's going on in your heart. And you can sit here today and you know, and there's, there's Holy Spirit conviction in your life that, yeah, there's some areas that I'm cheating. There's some areas that I'm not, I'm not living up to the, the standard that God's called me to. I want you to hear this today. Your story does not have to be defined by your cheating. David's story didn't end here. Right? David's story didn't end with him being called an adulterer, being called a murderer. His story went on, and yours can too. But I want you to see this. I want to drive home this point. So David sends Joab away. This was his main accountability guy. But then in chapter 12, if you keep reading, David sends a new, or excuse me, God sends a new accountability partner into David's life in the form of a man named Nathan. 
And Nathan is someone who cares deeply for David. And if you go read chapter 12, it shows exactly what Nathan says. Basically, he calls him out. He's like, listen, man. He tells him this story. The way you're living's wrong. What you're doing is wrong. What you did is wrong. And he calls him out for what he's done. And again, we see that accountability in our life matters. David made some really bad choices, but then his accountability partner, Nathan, stepped in. And he's like, listen, man, I need to speak truth to you. And this is going to stink. And it's not going to be an easy conversation. But there's something that you've done wrong. And there's some things that need to happen. All of us need to have people in our lives to hold us accountable. All of us need to have people in our lives that are holding us accountable, that we're able to hold them accountable. My question again today that that I think we all need to wrestle with is, are you being real with the people around you who care about you? I just imagine David standing there as Nathan's scolding in him. He's putting his finger in his face. And I just imagine David going, man, all these, these thoughts of how I can justify this are, are coming. And, 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 and David could have very easily said, no, man, you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. Accountability only works if you're willing to be honest. Accountability only works if you're willing to, as David says, yeah, that was me. Yeah, I messed that up. And, and, and let me say this, this morning as I was home and, and, and I was praying and preparing a, a, again for this morning, this, this, this thought God gave me, any fool can fool others. Any fool can fool others. You can fool everybody in your life. Everybody around you, but accountability only works if you're going to be honest, right? And, and some of us are so good at, at this outward appearance thing. Some of us are so good at fooling the people around us. Accountability only works if you're willing to be honest. So we see that your heart matters. Accountability matters and then flows right into our third Life lesson number three, confessing sin matters. Confessing your sin matters. David rose to the throne as a righteous man, right? David, David was put into this place. He, would, he lived with God's favor on his life, but yet he sinned terribly against God. So instead of doubling down and lying to Nathan and saying, no, 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 it's not what it looks like, David does something almost heroic. David does something that you and I can really look at. When his accountability partner, Nathan, looked him in his eyes and he said, you're doing wrong, David stood up, and I want you to see what he says. Look at look 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. David's response to Nathan was this, I have sinned against the Lord. Then Nathan replied to David, and the Lord has taken away your sin, and you will not die. What did David do in this moment? He owned it. He stood up and he said, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to come face to face with the ugliness of my sin. I did it. 
I'm raising my hand. I did it. I committed adultery. I committed murder. I, I sinned against God. I sinned against my team. I, can, I sinned against my country. I sinned against myself. And maybe today, as you sit here in church, that's you. Maybe God's calling you in this season of your life to stop making excuses, face the ugliness of your sin, and say, you know what? I'm going to stop blaming everybody else around me. I'm going to stop blaming it on what happened to me then. I'm going to take ownership and confess my sin to God. David said, yeah, I did it. I sinned. It was me. But I want you to see something here. David cheated, right? David cheated on God, his kingdom, his people, his men. But he also still chose to confess. I want you to hear that today. If you choose to cheat, you can still choose to confess. It doesn't, it doesn't eliminate you from being able to go before a holy and righteous God. It gives you an opportunity some of us today need to be almost heroic and confess our sin. And, and, and by the way, I don't have time to really go into this, but if you, if you, if you dig into confessing sin, the Bible says in, in the book of James, therefore confess your sins, what, one to another, right? Like w most of us are good with confessing our sins to God because it keeps us between us, right? But God's word gives us this command Again, I think it kind of goes back to C.2, right? Accountability matters. Confess your sins one to another. But I want you to see something. Look at, look at Psalm chapter 51. After David sinned, after David committed these awful things, he begins to go down to this confessing uh, a, a rabbit hole, if you will. He begins to understand the, 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 how big and, 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 and what he had done. And I want you to hear the words of David. In Psalm chapter 51, David wrote these words. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love. Now that's where so many of us need to stop and focus today. This unfailing love that God has for you and I. Here's the man who, who had it all, right? We saw this side of, of David's life. He had it all, but then he added murderer and adulterer to his list. And now he's calling out to God. According to your greatness, according to your great compassion, God, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sins. Skip down to verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. What does this sound like to you? This is the confession of a man who loves God and hates the sin that he committed. This is a confession of a man that has deep pain. What he's done has caused deep pain to himself. Oh God, only because you're so righteous can I even come before you. David desperately wants to be clean. He desperately wants to be healed. He, he, he fervently wants to be restored into, to this man of God. He wants to be pardoned. And sin will always drive us to desire more than we've been given. And it promises much more, but it will never, ever, ever satisfy. I want you to hear me today, church. Here's the life 
lesson is that, that confessing your sin matters and Jesus is the only solution to sin. Jesus is the solution to your sin. Whatever battle you're fighting today, whatever it is, maybe nobody else knows about it. Jesus is the solution to your sin. We read a little bit more about confessing sin and the importance of it in 1 John chapter 1. The Bible says this, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But I want you to see this. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins. If. And he's faithful and he's righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. God, God kind of gives us this open call to repentance. And he says, if you want to do this, if you really want to confess, if you want to bring your heart before me and you want to you change, then I will give you forgiveness and cleanse you. Forgiveness is a mark of spiritual maturity. Forgiveness is a mark of spiritual maturity. It's a mark of holiness. It's a mark of virtue. Man, it's almost 1130. Um, Brad, come on back up, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end today. I'm, I'm going to skip a, a few things here. And as we close today, I want you to, to realize just a couple quick things, real fast. Although our sin doesn't have to define us, there's often no escape from the consequences of sin. It shapes our lives. It shapes the people around us, whether we want to or not. One of the things in, in David's life, the Bible says David's house was never without war. It was one of the consequences to his sin. David's house was never without war. He was a great man. He was a man after God's own heart, but there were consequences is sin. Sin will always have consequences. And, and, and I don't have time to go through these, but, but when you confess your sin to God, I think there's, there's three things that you got to make sure you're, you're, you're having in the right perspective. You got to view sin properly. You got to understand what sin is. View it properly. Sin is real. Sin is anything that is rebelling against God. If God designed it for this and you do this, it is sin. You gotta view sin properly. You gotta view God properly. David believed that God was greater than his greatest mistake. Let me say that again. David believed that God was greater than his greatest mistake. You gotta view yourself properly. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. You're not the only one struggling today. View yourself properly. You are significant to God. Listen to me. You are significant to God. And one of the enemy's tactics, what he, what he loves to do is to convince you that you're too far gone. Your sin is too big. God can't save you. You're unrighteous. You're unworthy. You're unforgivable. You're undeserving. You're disgraceful. You're pitiful. You're unfit. The, the enemy loves to throw those things into our life. And the list goes on and on and on. And that's why. 
That's why confessing your sins matters so much. It's because you're putting yourself in this position and you're saying, God, I don't deserve it, but because of who you are, come in and forgive me. Change my heart, oh God. Give me a pure heart. Confessing your sin matters. I want to give you an opportunity right now in this moment to confess your sins to God. This is a time, this is a time meant personally, right? This is a time for me and God. This is a time for you and the Lord. Church, what are the sins that are weighing you down? If we put the list of, of the snapshot of David's life and, and we see that we give the side eye to the adulterer and murder, what are the, what are the things that, that we're going to give the side eye to you? What's weighing you down? What are the things in your heart that, that, remember, everybody else looks on the outward, so it might not look bad, but what are the things on the heart that God sees and that you see that you know you need to get taken care of today? This is exactly the good news of Jesus Christ. That he can take a sinner like Bobby. He can take this anti-hero like Bobby. He can take men of the Bible like David, like Rahab, like Samson. He can take these people and he can take you and I and he can go out and make a difference in your life and in my life and you can make a difference in the people around you every single day. Why? Because of him. Not because of anything you've done. Because of what he's done. So right now, as we close today, I want to just give you some space to get alone with God and get your heart aligned with, with what he calls us to. So would you, again, just bow your heads with me and close your eyes. I know for some of you today, maybe a packed day, you got a lot going on. Some of you may be a, a, a slow day and go home take a nap. But would you just right now, all over this room, young people, Students, teenagers, college, it doesn't matter. Grandparents, parents, how's your heart? God sees your heart. Do you have anybody in your life keeping you accountable? Speaking truth into who you are? Maybe you have that, but you haven't been being honest with them. Any fool can fool others. You have some unconfessed sin in your heart right now and in your life. I love looking at the life of David because there's so many relatable things the struggle, the hurt, the sin, the confession. One of the things I admire about David is it, it took a lot of courage for him to, to man up. It took a lot of boldness for him to stand and say, you know what? You're right. I, I messed this up. Maybe God's calling you to take that stand today. Your heart matters, church. Accountability matters, church. 
Confessing your sin matters. Don't allow the enemy to, to fool you any longer that you can keep hiding, that you can keep running, that you can keep sinning. It matters. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for men like David. We can look at it and just know, man, I don't have to be perfect. Lord, we live in such a world, such a culture that the outward appearance seems like it means everything. Lord, it's too hard to keep up. It's too hard. God, I pray that you would raise up some men and women, some families, some godly men in this room that would say, you know what? The heart matters more. This outward appearance stuff is fleeting. Bring people into our life like Nathan that'll speak truth to us and, and call us out. Help us to invite those people into our life, even when it stinks, even when we don't want to hear it. Lord, if there's sin in our life, if there's, if there's cheating going on on you, on our family, on, on ourselves, God, would you just reveal that to us and help us to just be real about it and confess it and get it to you, get it to your feet. Give us boldness and courage not to hide any longer. I pray for those in this room right now that are hiding. I know they're tired. I know they're weary. God, give them strength to, to step out and be open and honest about where they're at with you. Lord Jesus, use this message this week to convict us. Use this message this week to allow us to go into our community and give grace, give hope, give peace, because that's what you've been given to us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we dismiss for today, I again want to thank you for being here. Um, as always, we have a white tent out here. And... Um, if you just need somebody to talk to, somebody to pray with, maybe, maybe God's stirring something in your heart this morning and you're just like, hey, I want to I handle that before I leave, before I go home. Stop by the tent out there and one of our pastors or myself, my wife are up here. One of our team members will be back there and would love to take God's word and show you. If today is one of your first times, stop by and get a gift. We would love to, to get to meet you and, and, and connect with you on a deeper level. Um, and then the last thing is, is don't forget, we'll start James, the, the, our series in James next week, and would love for you to come. Invite somebody to be back with you, and uh, God bless you. We love you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.